I'm Jason Barnwell. I work on legal business operations and strategy for Microsoft. Today's episode of the Business of Law podcast offers a peek behind our legal operations team's curtain as they reflect upon our decade of partnership with Integrion. Our global contracting office supports the procurement and contracting legal team within our corporate legal group. This service allows our legal department to serve Microsoft's need for procurement contracting velocity, volume, and compliance. Integrion is a critical partner for this work, and we've been particularly delighted by their recent efforts to provide innovation to us, working with other partners without us having to ask. A partner that brings along your other partners is special. I recently remarked to Mark Ross, Integrion's Executive Vice President, that we are a difficult customer, and he corrected me, noting that we are transparent, collaborative, and drive them to push the envelope, and that while that might not be easy, it's also not difficult. In this episode, you will learn more about how we partner with Integrion from the people who lead the work. That includes Reshmi Paul Chowdhury, Program Manager at Integrion, Danielle Haugland, Director at Integrion, Tony Breidenbach, Vice President at Integrion, Dave Schell, Contracting Process Architect at Microsoft, Rob Greenall, Senior Program Manager at Microsoft, and Tom Morrison, Director of Legal Operations at Microsoft. Danielle was kind enough to host this episode. I'll let her take it away. Good afternoon. My name is Danielle Hogland, and I am a Global Director with Integrion. Today, I'm talking with Tom Orison and several special guests about the evolution of the decade-long Microsoft-Integrion relationship as it relates to contract lifecycle management, one of the first of its kind, how it's changed over the years, and how the companies have managed that change. We're actually celebrating 10 years of partnership, and we plan a candid and open discussion so that our respective peers can take the lessons we've learned and prepare for the inevitable peaks and valleys that come with any long-term relationship. Business background, or business relationships by way of background, uh, are inherently dynamic things. Uh, and long-term relationships can and often do look very different several years later than when they did in the beginning, particularly true in, a, in an evolving industry such as legal. By way of example, Integrion and Microsoft began working together in 2009 with a small team of attorneys and paralegals based in Fargo, North Dakota, handling contract review primarily. We couldn't imagine at the time how it would grow, neither of the companies could, um, but grow it did, and quite dramatically. A snapshot today is that Integrion, alongside our Microsoft colleagues, review up to 24,000 contracts annually. Up to 90,000 contract entities are in the lifecycle management database. Up to 14,000 contract help desk requests are resolved annually. We have five delivery centers supporting Microsoft. We, uh, we have 14 languages uh, that we work in. We have, for just the contract lifecycle management work, we have 79 de de dedicated Microsoft associates and we work on a 24-5 delivery schedule. Lasting relationships don't just happen. They require dedication and consistent care and nurturing. It's not always going to be roses and sunshine. I think we can all appreciate that. Uh, there will be challenges and victories as the relationship grows and matures, and understanding that and preparing for it will go a long way in laying the foundation to a productive and positive future. So I'm going to turn it over to our uh, one of our guests, uh, Tom Orison, and would you mind introducing yourself, give a little bit of background about who you are and what you do, and then the back backdrop and context for our discussion today. All right, thank you. Um, 
first off, just wow, those numbers are impressive. Um, it feels a bit odd for me to be speaking to this because I am relatively new to this engagement um, between Microsoft and Integrion. I'm the director of legal operations here at Microsoft. I've been with the company for about 13 years to focus primarily on legal operations and financial management. Um, about a year ago, I, I uh, I inherited the global contracting office um, and then and the partnership with Integrion. It's been a, a great year of learning for me um, and also kind of trying to plug into a long-term existing relationship and to continue to keep it fresh um, and, and, and to advance it. I will say one of the best things about coming onto this is I got to build on what other awesome people before me already had in place. And so this we couldn't talk about this whole arrangement if we didn't call out Lucy Basley, who was kind of the brainchild behind this on the Microsoft side, um, did a lot of work to stood this up, was really, uh, I would say, a, a forerunner in the industry in doing this type of thing um, in partnership with Chris Joelma, also the, the contracts manager on our side that helped stand this up and was involved in the relationship from very, very early stage. We also have Ra, um, um, Dave and Tony here um, to talk a little bit later about the relationship, and they have much more information on the historical context to I, than I do. The thing that I know is the alternative legal service provider, or LPO, is something that we, we hold near and dear in legal operations here at Microsoft. We are continually to be tasked with how do we become more efficient in our legal operations, just in our legal business, and how do we get things done quicker and serve our business in a more proactive and, and meaningful way. In doing that, I always look to the stratified workforce. We always have new work coming in. So if you look at a funnel, there's always new work coming in. A lot of that new and complex work is serviced by internal attorneys or outside counsel. The advent of the LPO, the legal, legal process outsourcer, or the alternative legal service provider, there's a lot of acronyms here. I, I just call them partners. Um, they help us get stuff help, help us get stuff done. That allowed us to stratify our workforce, where we could take routine, repetitive legal tasks that were traditionally done by higher cost law firms, and partner with companies like Integrion to do some of those more repetitive legal tasks at a much lower cost model, and also a much more efficient cost model because we can start talking about worldwide delivery centers and are just based in Redmond or a certain location. So there's huge, huge value. The whole LPO and alternative legal service provider space has really morphed in the 13 years that I've been at Microsoft and 20 plus years that I've been in the industry. I grew up in the patent space and we were starting to tease those out at the law firm 13 years ago when, we're, when I was at the law firm of the value we could have with those LPOs. This to me is one of the shining examples. I had the benefit, of, like I said, of watching it from afar before and now I get a chance to intimately plug into it. Um, I think what Daniel really said is, is 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 critical is when you look at these things is how do you how do you can how do you partner with your with, with your partners in this space with the LPOs? I will say one of the things that we do at Microsoft is we really do look at them look, look we treat them as team members. When I look at my team, Integrion is a critical component of that team and a necessary part of how we get things done. Um, so we include them in almost all of our meetings. They they are part of our team. Um, we celebrate them. We work with them when things aren't going well. Um, it is really a relationship, and I think we'll be talking about the marriage analogy coming up, and it really is a lot. A lot of things I've learned in my marriage, I've been able to bring to bear in the business context. Right. So building on that, um, when when we started thinking about doing this podcast and sharing uh, sharing our stories, you know, you and I, Tom, were talking about it, and like 
it really is sort of like a marriage. We made a commitment 10 years ago. Uh, we It's a foundation built on trust. We invested in the relationship. We put down roots. We uh, expanded our scope. We planned for the future. And, you know, there's been peaks and valleys, like I said, along the way. Um, so one of the questions that I had for you, Tom, is what's the most important ingredient to maintaining a healthy and thriving business relationship over the years? Because, you know, there really is something that goes into it over a decade. There really is. I, I think the marriage example is a, is, a very, is a very great one for this. And so in the marriage, in the marriage, I look at love and trust as a way, as a foundation of how you keep that going. And when I look at long-term business relationships, I just replace love with with valuable services and then that trust component and i think to when microsoft wants to engage with a partner first and foremost we we expect and kind of table stakes is great service or great products that that's a foot in the door but that's not all that alone won't do it it is that partnership and that trust and be able to trust the partner because as daniel said things don't always go as expected and in fact they won't go as expected and you should plan for that and be ready for that just as in marriage there are times where it's not all sunshine and roses and candidly it's the times when it's not sunshine and roses that are the defining moments of those relationships and likewise in the business partnership um, we've been really pushing with our internal um, business operations and strategy team here at Microsoft of psychological safety and trust and tr mm -hmm. psychological safety is hinged on trust we also have a saying and a motto that we use around here that success is learning and failure is not trying and so we extend that to our partnerships as well as we want to experiment to keep things fresh we got to try new things we got to keep pushing the status quo keep trying to do it different better faster more efficiently we have new technology at our disposal now that wasn't around before in the form of machine learning um, artificial intelligence robotic process automation so that stratified workforce i talked about before the bottom of that is techn automation technology we have all sorts of new tools at our disposal but those tools need to work hand in hand and seamlessly with the humans who operate them and in this case a lot of the humans who operate some of those things are going to be the Integrion folks, our partners on that side. And so we need that trust built and that psychological safety to experiment and take something that's working really great and to try to tweak it and make it better because it's not always going to work great and there will be stumbles and we will learn along the way. And as long as we have that trust that we're both going in the same direction for the same goals, I think we'll be there to help each other out and learn from those mistakes. And at the end, that's going to make a more meaningful and lasting solution for everybody. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. Um, so one of the things that I really wanted to dive into in this discussion is, you know, of course, talking about all, all of the great things, but to get into what happens and what do you do when you get into a rut? Because as you go, as as with a marriage, you know, with a long-term business relationship, there are going to be times, and candidly, there have been times when, you know, we've sort of gotten comfortable with the way of doing business and, you know, really struggling to kind of get outside of the status quo and figuring out, okay, how can we do things bigger and better? Um, so I'm, gonna actually, I'm gonna, going to open it up a little bit and ask a few of our special guests. Um, but Tom, can I start with you on, you know, what advice do you give providers and, and to your business partners internally? Number one, how to recognize when you're in sort of like a, hmm, we need to shake things up. And how do you do that? 
that's difficult because a lot of times when you get in a rut, it's because you're doing things so well that things are working well and you get, in a sense, you get complacent with them working well. Being at Microsoft, I would say it's easier for us because our the world that spins around us changes so rapid, rapidly. The business we support changes rapidly. We're in fact, we're, we're impacted by new policy, new regulation. One of my other hats I wear is in the legal procurement side. Things like GDPR kind of flip a lot of things on its head and force you to, to, to innovate or re-engineer some of your process to accommodate these changes that are coming in. Internally, I think we also just focus on never being satisfied with the status quo and never getting complacent of what we do. There's always room for improvement. I think the mindset we have is that that, that we always have room for improvement. Whatever we did yesterday can be proved, improved upon. And as I said before, working in the technology space, new technology is coming at, a, at such a rapid clip that we have to constantly pay attention to these new technology advancements and trying to figure out how we can leverage them in our mechanisms that we that we stand up and so i would say at microsoft we have the benefit of kind of the culture around here is things are always changing and if you don't innovate yourself somebody else is going to come and innovate for you and we don't want that to happen right so i'm going to um kind of collectively ask dave shell and tony breidenbach um that basically the same question you know and the reason i'm asking you two is Dave, I'm going to do a very brief introduction of you, Antonia, and then feel free to expand on that. Um, Dave Shell is currently uh, at Microsoft, uh, has been at Microsoft for six years in the GCO, um, but previously previously had worked with Integrion for about five years and was employee basically number two on the Integrion Microsoft relationship. Um, And Tony Breidenbach uh, was employee number one and has been with the engagement from day one over the past decade. Tony's still with Integrion, still leading the ship. So I want to hear from the two of you, and we'll start with you, Dave. You know, the same question, how do you, and you've seen it from both sides, from both perspectives, how do you address making sure that from the both the supplier's perspective and the client's perspective, how do you maintain, um, how, do you, how do you keep current, basically? How do we keep current? How do you get out of the rut? How do you recognize a rut? How do you get out of it? Well, I think I ha- maybe had maybe an unfair advantage of being able to see it from both sides. <laughs> True. And so, um, so I think I could recognize when things weren't operating quite how they should have. Um, and getting out of the rut, I mean, you have to have the conversation. And if you haven't had any tough conversations over a long period of time, that first one is really, really hard. Because you, because you know, the feedback that you have will come off sounding very harsh after a bunch of highs, and then all of a sudden there's this low. It that that emotional swing is just so big uh, when when you have that initial conversation. But it has to happen. If you don't have it, if you it's like if you don't have it now, you're gonna have to have it later, and it's going to be worse. So right. you just have to it's like rip off the bandaid, have the discussion still have some empathy because you know you know being on the other being on the other side you know, you know being on the other end of the stick you know, you you you, you understand you understand kind of like how difficult some of the 
client requests can be. And uh, you get get familiar with uh, um, either over-promising or, um, you know, or asking for too much or having unrealistic expectations. And both of those things are really, really painful. Um, if if uh, if one side asks too much and the other side says, "Yeah, we can do it," but uh, I I really don't know how to, how better to express that. Um, but it that I mean that just. And leads you down this path of, you know, okay, well, we've got this one thing that we said we could do. Okay, maybe we're doing okay at it, but we're not doing as good as we could be. And then, uh, and then, uh, once you know, the world around you changes, you're still doing this thing this way, but now the expectations of that change over time. Right. Um, and and then at some point. Like, well, you're just not doing this well anymore. Right. And like, well, we're still uh, light years ahead of the alternative. Where I, I just want to take the um, some foreign language reviews as an example. What Integround is doing right now. So 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 much more cost effective than than sending it to law firms under the traditional law firm model. So you know, send send out something in a foreign language to to a law firm, a, a simple contract, give it to them. Come comes back, the price is really high because that law firm. Uh, gets these one-off contracts maybe one or two a year so they're looking at it from this like novel point of view like trying doing a full in-depth analysis of the of the contract whereas you know uh a service provider who is familiar with all of the contracts, has our playbooks, has uh, years of experience, uh, understanding, okay, these are the points that are critical to Microsoft. You can do that same contract in, you know, half hour, an hour, where a law firm might spend, you know, a few days mm-hmm. on it. Um, but if the law, but if the law firm had the same volume, they they sure they could drive those costs down as well. Right. But uh, you know that's and that's one example of where you know, the uh, expectations can kind of change over time. We're like, well, we want these this foreign language stuff that to be turned around faster, and we want the price to come down. Like, oh, it. The volumes are not high enough to make that feasible. like we had, we had uh, pretty good estimates at the beginning, but some of the data that was provided to us wasn't, uh, uh, didn't, didn't pan out the way we thought. Still cheaper than the alternative, still better than the alternative, but uh, uh, you have to come, you have to you know, sometimes think about it in those terms. Like, right. what, what would the alternative be if we weren't doing it this way? Right. And so I want to pick up on something that you said. You're doing something one way and the world around you changes. And Tony, I want to throw it to you to to pick up on that, because this industry, as Tom mentioned in the opening, this industry is new. 
Um, and the technology is new. We're sort of in a technology renaissance in the legal industry right now, and we're getting new inputs almost on a daily basis, new ways of doing things, new workflows, new processes. And at the same time, you know, as I mentioned in the opening, we've got nearly 100 people in five uh, five delivery centers working on Microsoft day-to-day. Tony's leading that ship. Tony... How do you kind of turn the Titanic, if you will, um, understanding that, you know, we need to adapt and change and evolve along with our partners at Microsoft? Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, The first thing is obviously to to have that understanding and trust um, with your client. So uh, I think a lot of what Dave said, you know, centered around communication and, you know, you know, if you find yourself in that rut and you find yourself um, having a difficult conversation, um, you know, more than likely than not, there's been some breakdown in communication uh, before that. So, um, the, you know, some of the hard lessons you've learned over the years or I've learned over the years is, you know, you, you have to listen and you have to be vigilant and be watching out and uh, looking at not only what the client is saying, uh, but what they're doing. And, you know, uh, using that to, to try to make yourself better. And um, from a supplier standpoint, you know, it's it is easy when things are going well and SLAs are being met and, you know, all the indicators are there that um, you know the, the the engagement is working the services are being delivered the clients are happy you know that's when I think Tom was right there really is danger because of everything else that's happening in the world and, and even within your organization so um, one thing we've heard from multiple clients uh, Microsoft included is what are what are your other clients doing what what are the innovations they're looking at you know what are the market trends and you know they they shouldn't have to ask um that's something that micro excuse me integrion um should should be willingly sharing now not trade secrets of course but you know generally you know this is this is where things are going or this is something that we saw with another client and maybe if we apply it uh this way with microsoft you could have a good effect so um i would say you know if if integrion is not bringing in its best and and i mean its best from all of its uh, business units and all of its legal services teams because we do a lot in in a quite a varied and diverse uh, array of services with with a lot of technologies uh, then we're not doing our best for Microsoft and so you know by by virtue of you know not having that conversation or not taking going the extra mile to, to uh, you know to, to think about innovation or think about you know how, how things would be different um, you know that that's where you know uh, what's going to happen so to to avoid that you know um, it's it you you have to push yourself to do that it's we have baked that into our um, governance uh, schedule and and meetings. Um, it is something that I know I work with my team on a weekly basis on. It's something that we track as a metric. 
and you know um, we 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 can do better at it, and you know we can be um, I, I I think we can come up with better ideas, but it's it's something that needs to be at the forefront of your thinking, um, and it has to be something that both a you know a supplier and client knows that. Uh, that that this is important to, to, to both parties. So um, I would say, you know, the first part is communication. And then the second part is, you know, just having a joint understanding of, you know, this, this is, you know, to avoid getting into a rut. This is what we need to be. These are the things we need to be talking about and, and to really schedule those conversations and, and make sure that they happen. I just want to, I just want to jump in really quick, Tony. This is Tom. You said something there that really, 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 piqued my interest and you mentioned kind of bringing to bear and, and helping us understand what the industry at large is doing that is one of the most valuable things that we get from our partners it also goes it goes a long way in keeping things fresh is we try not to be but we can be very insular here at Microsoft we have a lot of things to solve and, a, and, we're, and we're, we're working really really hard and moving really fast and so stopping to take a look around and see what's going on is difficult to do and we don't get much opportunity so when our partners come to us and offer us that understanding and knowledge that is insanely valuable for us and we recognize that and and we, we definitely factor that into our decisions when we look at partners around of which ones are doing well and not well and that industry perspective is a huge game changer for us absolutely another thing that i picked up on tony um, and this is a, a good example of something concrete that suppliers and clients can do is build innovation into your sow um, we did that uh, with Microsoft, and we actually built in, um, I think it was at procurement, procurement's request, a four-hour strategy session every six months. I think it's twice a year. And initially, I mean, everybody around this table and on the microphone, we chuckled a little bit, like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. how are we going to fill four hours? Um, but... It forced us. <laughs> but what it did was it really forced us to take a seat back. And, and Dave, you actually mentioned this on the call this morning. Take a seat back and say, okay, we know this meeting is coming up. We know that it's a strategy meeting. We know that we have to come to the table with something other than day to day. So a very practical and super easy tip to actually make put the, these ideas into action, put it in your contract, make expectations out of it, force yourselves to sit down and actually do it and actually come to the table with, with new and innovative ideas. Um, and along those lines, one thing that I, as from the, from the supplier side, so appreciate about Microsoft is, and Tom, you mentioned this before, when we come to these strategy sessions and when we lay our ideas on the table, it's a safe space. They could be wacky ideas, sort of half-baked, like, hey, I was thinking about this or had thinking about this. And y'all have created a culture that is very welcoming and comfortable in order to share those ideas, build on those ideas, identify the ones that have legs, and identify the ones that, no, nah, maybe, maybe we can talk more about that on the next round. Um, so Tom, I'm gonna throw it back to you. How do you culturally create that? Because it's not easy. 
it's not easy and you got to be really honest with yourself and look at your own behaviors that's where it starts um trying to create that safe space around you make sure you let your team know that there is a safe space i'd also say critical to creating a space space uh, a safe space is making sure that you hire people different than yourselves and different than your teammates building that diversity not just the demographic diversity but the diversity in thought and approaches and methodologies and experience that will force you to have new ideas coming from all sides and that just helps you get to that spot of psychological safety where you build a diverse team and then recognize that everybody has a unique perspective and a valuable perspective and do your best to listen i'm saying this having failed many times at doing this it's a it's, it is a growth thing that we continue to focus on and we keep talking about it because it's not just hey we're going to have psychological safety and the next day it's there it is an ongoing process and you have to be very critical with yourself with your teammates even with managers and management if you see them impairing that and driving any kind of loss to that psychological safety i've had it done to myself and so just as you got to be critical yourself i try to build on my own experiences and try and i look at a time where times i'd say times I've, i haven't been as fortunate just to have a time where i lost psychological safety there's been numerous times where i've lost it and i had to be honest with myself of how did that make me feel how did that impair my judgment how did that stifle my creativity and the realization and honesty about that almost automatically leads you to, all right, we need to create a team environment where that doesn't happen because we're not going to achieve our best results or the most impact that we could have if people aren't comfortable bringing crazy ideas. And on the notion of crazy ideas, a lot of times we start talking about innovation. I go back to the cell phone, uh, the cell phone camera analogy, and I use it all the time. The people around the room are probably shaking their heads at this because I'm sure I've said it to them. But when the idea of a a digital camera on your cell phone first came out it was a terrible idea it was it was it was a mockery people laughed at it it was grainy you couldn't do anything with it and today nobody walks around with a digital digital camera because the phone cameras have come so far so fast but at the start it wasn't like that and so there was a room of people sitting around and somebody said hey let's put a camera on that phone and half the people if not 90% of the people in that room thought it was a crazy stupid idea and I bet they had a, 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 a psychological safety and trust in that room where hey it seems crazy but you might be on to something there and so I think it's necessary for those big bold ideas and it's just in the end of the day it's just good business too. That's a great point. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk about best laid plans, perhaps going awry. Um, going back to the marriage analogy, you know, you plan for the future, you invest in a retirement account, you invest in college funds and things like that. But then the air conditioner goes out. And what happens? Um, and actually, I'm going to bring in uh, Rob Greenall, one of our special guests, um, to talk about this because I, I've i known Rob now for a year as we've been working on the um, together uh, uh during in this relationship and Rob you have impressed me so much as somebody who is a master problem solver and um, you know anything that comes up if there's any problem the first thing is hmm what would Rob do what would Rob think about this so Rob Greenall take it away what do you do when the air conditioning goes out Brilliant. I'm not sure how to respond to that. Thanks for blushing. <laughs> WRD. What would you all do? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> so, um, like Tom, I'm 
I'm new to this space. I'm not new to legal. I've been at Microsoft six years. I've been in the legal industry over 10 years before that, but I'm new to the contracting space. And, and kind of like Tom said, we're riding on the shoulders of giants past, right? And um, one of my f- first observations about the team or first interactions with the team is <laughs> quite frankly, intimidated. Not because the team's scary, but because the team is so good at what they do. And it's how do you crack that? How do you figure that out? How, how do you get that? Going to the, um, the analogy of the air conditioning. When I first came into this space, I didn't know where the control panel was for the air conditioner. And half the time I was in the wrong house. I had no idea <laughs> what I was doing. So one of the things I, I, I I got a chance to do, and it's a superpower when, you, when you're new to a team, is you get to ask a lot of questions. And so I, I, I tried to use that. There's a Six Sigma methodology called the five whys. It's a deep interrogation technique, and, and really it's a bag into the root cause of something. If you ask, you ask why five times over to a particular issue, eventually you'll, get, you'll figure it out. Um, and I use that twofold, not always consciously, primary is to educate myself. But oftentimes, if you're kind of asking over and over again, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Oftentimes, you get to a point where a particular process or an issue is, oh, we're doing it because we've always done it. Okay, maybe it's time to change it. And I think it helps bringing new people in to, to kind of find those root causes, root cause issues of things like broken air conditioners. Um, one of the things that's, to be honest, made my job easier, I managed the oper- day-to-day operational side of things, is the competence of the Integrion team. I mean, they're highly trained, they're highly competent, they're really um, dedicated, to Microsoft, to the work. And they're also excited about it. I see a lot of excitement coming through. So we talk about kind of these cultural ideas. Um, their culture is one of, of hard work, dedication, um, excitement. Interestingly, they also like each other. <laughs> which sounds bizarre, but you know, you know when a team is running really well, when they actually get on really well, you can see they enjoy each other's company. They play off their strengths. They play off their weaknesses with each other. Um, going back to Tom's comment about diversity, I mean, it's an extremely diverse team. Um, we have diversity of thought. We have diversity of nationality. We have diversity of race. We have diversity of time zone. Um, and the nice thing I've, I've, I've started to see with, with Integrion is new or different people are now starting to kind of emerge, kind of rise through and bring really good, new, fresh ideas. Um, and I think how we, I think this is something that we kind of build on. I mean, I think one of the things that we're always going to get these curveballs. We're always going to get issues come up. We're always going to have problems with broken air conditioners, right? So as we navigate um, the work environment, I think, you know, it's it's building on that cultural 
strength of an organization. And quite frankly, it, it mirrors our own internal organization um, to some degree. Um, one example of this recently is, and she's going to be up next to talk a little bit about her experience, is um, we decided or we saw a gap. Um, we had a communications gap. It wasn't a significant one, but we had a bunch of um, pretty high visibility strategic initiatives coming in the pipeline. Integrion are a crucial part of that. And we had to try and figure out how we plug those two worlds together. And um, the idea we came up with is why don't we bring one of our Integrion partners on site, plugged in with the team, plugged in with the project, and can help kind of ease um, these projects along. So I think this is probably a great segue, actually, to kind of handing this off to, to Reshmi, who could probably talk a little bit about her experience and how um, she sees the relationship and, and, and her first few weeks here. So Reshmi? Over to you. Thank you so much, Rob. Yes, Daniel. I was just going to do a super quick introduction of my good friend, Rashmi Paul, uh, who just moved over here from India, what, three weeks ago now? Um, Rashmi and I have actually been working together for the past six years. She and I worked for uh, together five years at Thomson Reuters and then joined Integrion at roughly the same time. Um, and uh, Rob, to your point, um, and no offense to anybody else in the room or on the phone, Rashmi is kind of one of my favorite people. <laughs> so Rashmi, over to you. Here, high five, Daniel. Thank you so much. <laughs> so thank you, Rob, for the lovely introduction. And yes, I've been here since three weeks, uh, but I have been working with this engagement since almost a year now, actually a year, because it's May, I joined last April on this engagement. And honestly, at that time when it was transitioning uh, from what we just earlier said, complacency or a kind of a rut. And, um, but uh, I saw I saw the entire transition. I saw, and I was a, like a first-hand experience of how well this entire partnership worked with, you know, we had all new ideas. Uh, I worked with Tony and the entire team. Uh, everybody was open to ideas. Everybody wanted to improve. Everybody wanted this to succeed because it, it, is, it has been a long time client and we have been, both sides, I mean, uh, the team, this, the Integron team is superly dedicated. They're amazing people in the team who want their project to succeed. They take immense proud uh, pride in working uh, with Microsoft and on Microsoft account, and they like it's it's, it's a different story there. And um, when I, I came in and I saw that passion, uh, people really wanted to improve. They didn't take it negatively at all. They said, okay, there is a there is a place where we can improve, and we brought in new people, new experts, uh, process experts, and we, 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 we dissected and we had long conversations with Tom, Dave, when Rob is new, the team, and then we figured out that we can improve in these areas by doing 10 things. And we did it, and it's still continuing. So, and from there, working with the team, um, outside 
and coming on site, I think it's it's a great opportunity personally for me to work with this brilliant minds and amazing talent. But it also is an opportunity for me to bridge that gap where I can I can hear things. I, can, I have access to people, technology, mostly people. Like you know, I can understand their pain firsthand. I can hear things, and I say, okay, we can help solve this, or I can I can actually bring in the idea saying you can do this and just solve it yourself. I mean that that has been great. Uh, for me, and um, I'll, I think I'll find my way just how just with Rob and Tom and Dave and continue to do this. Excellent. So we're going to wrap up really quickly, but before we do, I want to do a little bit of a lightning round on uh, advice. So this is advice for customers and suppliers or clients and suppliers on how to handle the rough spots. Um, so I'm going to start with Tom. How to handle the rough spots. Um, so I'm a uh, old farmer from Iowa, and I will say you reap what you sow. So first and foremost, surround yourself by rock stars. I look around the room and the folks on the call, and I have the great privilege of being surrounded by awesome individuals who are really, really good at their job. We create this environment of psychological safety and trust where we make sure innovation is a key goal that we have and that we're not satisfied with the status quo, even if the status quo is great. And then you give those rock stars freedom to operate and freedom to move. And when the bumps come, it's pretty easy to rally around because you have the intellectual horsepower to solve those and you have the relationships to know that, hey, nobody's going to be held to task. And people will think problems do happen and accountability needs to come down, needs, needs, needs to be part of it. But you give people freedom to make mistakes. You give people freedom to, to try new things. And then when things don't work, instead of instead of having the authoritarian hammer above them, you swoop in to help them and make it better and collectively you move forward. Um, and don't let perfection be your enemy as it always is. Try things and knowing that if you make mistakes, you're still making progress. Thank you. All right, Tony, you're up. Best advice. Um, I guess if you're in a tough spot, I would say, you know, you, you have to look inward as a organization or as a supplier and, you know, it's time to grow and that may mean, and, and that, that means change. So, and that is, um, either reaching for, you know, more within your organization or, or learning where else you can go, um, it may mean pushing your organization forward to somewhere where it doesn't, where it has never been, uh, and it means having the commitment to your uh, clients uh, to get yourself in a spot where where you're not in that rough spot anymore. So, um, you know, it just it, it's not easy, <laughs> and it may not be very fun, but uh, you know, getting to the end of it and um, it, it, it is very satisfying. Good one, Dave Shell. Be open, uh, open and honest. Uh, if if things are going poorly, whether whether it's you or it's the other side or it's a combination, yeah, don't don't go don't go into a meeting with uh, with green, yellow, and red and uh, and be like, oh, everything's green with a little bit of yellow. Like, no, we 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 know it's we know it's not. <laughs> and. and uh, on either the supplier or the customer side, 
you've got to you've got to admit when uh, things are not going well. Um, and uh, the on um, I mean, for a supplier, for obvious reasons, you don't want to put out the projection that you're that you're not doing as well as you need to, or as maybe you should be. But same thing for the customers. Customers oftentimes want to project strength and authority and don't want to admit if they have problems as well. And so it's important for both to admit it because you can't fix it if you don't admit it. Right. Yeah, no, that's good advice. Grace me. Dave just stole it. Just said what Dave I Dave stole your thunder. <laughs> stole my thunder. I should have gone next. But anyways, I, I, I have to figure right now. So uh, honestly, my 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 thing was just you know all everyone from supplier side from. Uh, service provider side. Everybody is a human. There is, you are going to do mistakes. The first thing is acknowledge and then communicate and then solve it together. That's how it happens everywhere in the world. Wherever, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a, it's a project, it's human beings everywhere. Even if the tech, we apply as much technology as we can, pe- there are people running it. So there are bound to be mistakes. Uh, we need to acknowledge it, prepare for it, plan for it, communicate and then collaboratively solve it. So I had one, but I think yours is better. So I'm just going to steal yours and replace that with mine. Uh, Rob, you're up. I have nothing left. You guys <laughs> took it all. This is, I'm nearly going to swear then. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a simple theme and I, I think we've spoken a lot about it is, and I often have to, you know, remind some of my colleagues, just don't be a jerk, right? I mean, uh, like Reshmi said, like, we're all people trying to just get a job done, right? And, you know, we, we rise and fall together. Um, so for me, it's, you know, you treat people well. Um, get to know people, you know? I mean, I, 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 I think that helps amazingly when times are tough and also don't do everything through email. I mean, pick up the phone and talk to people or go and walk down the hall and talk to them in their office or whatever. Um, that I find resolves 90% of issues and diffuses most problems. That is true. All right. So we're going to wrap it up today. Um, one final thought from, from me. Um, this has been an absolute privilege. Thank you all so much for coming together, joining us in this conversation. I've learned a lot. Uh, I hope our listeners are going to learn a lot. Um, again, Daniel Hogland with Integrion, and that's a wrap.